It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Chris, I hope you've had an outstanding week. Welcome into the game. Yeah, it's busy. These the days are going by quicker and quicker. Weeks are going by quicker and quicker. Can you believe? You just got on. We got only three weeks left of the full complement of regular season games and championship weekend. So, man, we are just mosing along. It seems like it was just uh, August uh, about three weeks ago. It does. It, it does. And and the all season slow. Uh, but during the season, you blink and you're 10 weeks in and you blink another and it's done. And, and, and now you'll be ready for you know the postseason. But, uh, uh, man, we cannot wait to, to we, we always start this usually this segment by asking you, what did you think? And uh, give us a little evaluation as you look back at Alabama and LSU. Uh, give us maybe your biggest takeaways. Well, I was I was really surprised. I was shocked quite frankly that this game was a game as late as it was that Alabama struggled as much as they did offensively uh, to not establish the running game not have any success where other people have Um, I completely understand the bye week what LSU added and you know everybody looks at what other people have success against certain opponents so I can certainly see that they they took a part and saw what AM was able to do against Alabama's offensive front and they they approached it so they put in a, like a lot of different defensive looks and really went blitz heavy so it caused a lot of problems and that Alabama just was not able to adjust to it very well uh it was the lowest obviously you've talked about it I'm sure the lowest outputage of yards um you know just couldn't find any rhythm offensively um, and, and that was, I think, you know, give some credit to LSU with it. But boy, the at this stage, the inability to to not be able to handle that, not be able to adjust to it, not be able to get the ball out quicker, move the pocket, get the running game going, get them caught and run blitzes, um, it just was really, quite frankly, alarming to see from an Alabama standpoint, because the game was, you know, in peril, and I kept waiting for it to. All right, third quarter, they'll do what they normally do. Okay, get get it ahead. It's up 17, and okay, they didn't play well, but then, you know, they're not going to risk this. It's it's going to be, you know, a couple of positions, a couple of possessions out. But then, man, you know, Alabama, um, LSU getting a couple of shots, including at the end. I mean, you, 
I'm not going to say that I ever felt like they were going to lose it, but to the very end when LSU had a shot, you think, man, this could be really something. And I kept thinking in my mind, there'd be a bigger loss in Nick Saban's career when you think about it. This would have to be in the short list. I mean, I'm not talking about year one and UL Monroe. I'm talking this would be really something. So I I was really surprised and um, unimpressed by Alabama's performance offensively. Defensively, look, when you don't get much of an offensive support, it wasn't a clean performance defensively, but, boy, they made stops when they had to. I realize this, this is not a juggernaut LSU offense, but, you know, they at least got it done. They got off the field, and then they got off the field, and then they got off the field again, or else uh, I think the defense kind of saved the bacon here because with the lowest – the lowest, um, I know I'm sure you've talked about it. We hadn't had – Alabama hadn't had less than 30 points in forever. And so um, that, that, that just in a big picture surprised me. But how? The, the inability to be able to run the football at all, we've talked about it. It's a concern, and if they can't figure that out, Ryan, with the protection issues, with the offensive line issues, center, right tackle, still a problem. If they can't run the football at least, how are they going to stop good pass rushers from getting into the backfield? And the answer is they're not if they can't run the football. The one thing you can do to slow down a pass rush is make them respect the run, at least make them think you're going to run it. In, In this past game, they were not able to do that. And that's why LSU lived in the backfield the entire game. All right, so you mentioned it right there. Um, can you give me your evaluation, George sliding at that right tackle spot? I mean, did, did you see anything from him, Damian George, playing at that right tackle spot? Wasn't all that impressed, to be honest with you. And okay. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty obvious who they've played, and I obviously that was a result of injury there center, but it's pretty obvious they don't have better options. Look, one thing I do know about this coaching staff, and I know what they not been at their practice, but I know what they've done at practice. They don't have better options. And so I know that is like a um, heresy to say that, but the, you know, we can go into why and maybe some misses and young guys not being ready, but they're not afraid to play young guys. They, they are certainly – the head coach will make that decision always. They don't have the answers, and I think you, you saw it. They didn't have the, the answers. Um, I think they were a little bit nervous at center. You know, the tackle position um, is always a problem, but, but Ryan, you, you better not have any problems at center, meaning snap issues – call issues, uh, penetration issues, because the quickest way to – I think they went with some experience at center and say, we're not going to risk it. And I think that's how they played it. Um, But it it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. And they just couldn't handle, from a protection standpoint, the blitz pressure. Um, And you've got to be able to figure that out because you're going to see that again against a better opponent. Well, or and, two, or three, or four. If they and hopefully four for Alabama's sake, that means they'll get far enough to see a fourth one. What do you do? I mean, because you're you're ten games in. I mean, this is who you are. I mean, I don't think that's you, it. 
So, no, I, and yeah, I, 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 there's not a whole lot you can do. I mean, I think you continue to work and get those guys better, more comfortable. I think you have to better, you have to better uh, blitz pickup plan there, and that involves a lot of things. That involves backs. That involves, you know, everything from setting it a little bit better. But no, some of that, Ryan, is is you know, you've got to be able to block better, and they're not able to block better. Uh, and if they struggle with that, they're going to struggle against, again, better defensive fronts that can do a lot more than, than LSU can. Now, let me say this. LSU's defensive front's pretty talented. We know they're not well coached. We know they got problems, and we know they're missing a lot of guys. But they are still got a lot of guys that can run, that are athletic, and they may not be, you know, what A&M is, but they're not chicken chicken liver there. They're, they're still pretty talented, and they, they exploited them. Chris, when you look at the pressure, um, I, I brought this up. I, I'm nowhere near the football knowledge that, you know, some of the analysts that, that share, but uh, I've often thought that some ways a screen might be able to help this team out a little bit, uh, you know, just to be able to make you think. I, you said it when you're talking about running the football. Uh, is that just not part of maybe – this offensive uh, lineup? Yeah, it's something that I've made note of that I'm a big screen guy. Um, I've always have been, and and I'm even more so the past seven or eight years, Ryan. I've done a lot of work with Sean Payton right up the road in New Orleans. I think he's the best screen game teacher around. I did, did, uh, not to get off track, but I did – did some work with him when he when he sat out that year. I took two hundred and I think it was two hundred thirteen pages of notes just on the screen game alone and screen packages, the, how it's set up, how it's developed. It's not easy. Pro game's a little different, but I'm a big screen game guy, and I you're absolutely right. So let's go on to the premise of you're not blocking well. You've got to commit more guys to block and send less guys out on routes. You've got to maybe use your backs. You've got to use your receivers in the screen game a little bit more. And there are different types of screens. Don't know if they're not comfortable running it. They don't feel they can execute it. I'm going to make the assumption that they're not executing it well. And that's why they're not running it in practice. I mean, and that's why they're not doing it because that's the one thing you can do. If you can't block them, you better be able to make them pay. You better be able to find a way to, Create some run creases. You got to work the the screen games. Um, you've the ball has to come out exceedingly quick if you're going to struggle. You can't sit there and try to go. Uh, you know, shotgun helps because it allows you to get the ball out quick. Some of that is part of it too. But you can work some tunnel screens, some bubbles. There's diff- different things you can do in the screen game that can be successful. I'd, I'd like to see them do that a little bit more. I'd like to see any team do that more when they're struggling with protection issues. Why they're not, I, I can't answer that. I really don't know. Well, but but you go to the NFL, uh, obviously, you know, most teams that are pretty productive, they, they do have a pass rush. Uh, they do get after mm-hmm. the quarterback. But I just watch it on Sunday after Sunday. You know, I, I'm a fantasy uh, guy. I've got one team, but I, I watch running backs uh, – you know, get points per reception, and uh, I don't get a chance to watch every single game, but they utilize that to help. And just, you know, I guess it doesn't have to be screens, but just, you know, creating some opportunities because Alabama needs to get more production from 
more than just two guys on the receiving side too. I tell you what, um, in talking to one of the um, members of the coaching staff, I sent, you know, the great thing about today, you can send clips today, you know, um, digitally. Georgia has a particularly good script. Todd Munkin does a great one with the, with the tight end. Bowers, the freshman tight end, they ran it against Florida. And basically, the tight end stays in the block, but then releases and just – he doesn't release out. He releases the block, turns around, and because of the – against blitz pressure, it works great because you can block downfield because he, haven't, he hasn't crossed the line of scrimmage. And it's just like – it's a short handoff. You just dump it over to him. Now, is it – uh, it, something like that I mentioned that's a that's a it was something that I really liked a lot and is something that I think uh, would would really help in a situation like this yeah I'm with you on the screen package I really really think that's something that you've got to be able to do effectively when you can't um, protect and you're right it's work the pro game is a little different you got a lot more time you got pro guys and the timing is important but you can work that. You can work it. You certainly can work it here. And I see other teams do it, and I'd like to see you know them do it a little bit more. I think it's going to be essential against somebody. Uh, I think it's going to be essential against Auburn. It may be needed against Arkansas. We'll see. Um, darn sure would, would be needed against a, a Georgia team that right now looks quite a bit better than this Alabama team looks right now. You know, I, I go through the offensive line um, – I, I I go through the line and I'm going four star, four star, four star, four star, five star, four star. I mean, I just go through the evaluation. I mean, did they miss on a few of these guys? And maybe yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I you know it, they're not playing like it. <laughs> not all of them. I love the left side of it. I think they're fine. Center right tackle is a uh, it it's a sore spot. Um, and again, you know. Brian, it'll be everybody's well, they need to play this guy. No, they don't. They they know who they need to play. They know who they need to play. And they, they're they're putting out who can best handle it. And I, I think if somebody steps up um and, and becomes ready or they force in, that's the other thing too. There's not this history of this head coach saying, Well, he's not gonna play young guys. This is not, you know, some other places, Clemson, that doesn't play a lot of young guys unless they have to. He'll do it. So, I mean, that, that speaks volumes to me. And I have to trust that what they're seeing in practice every day, they know who to play. And they're just not – they don't match up relative to what they have in previous years at those spots. And um, that's why we're seeing some inconsistency on that side of the ball. Yet, you know, they've – to this past week – it's 30 points. You just rack them up. You line up, and it's 30 points plus. This team is good for 30 points every week. And um, I'm curious to see they'll get back if they get back uh, get that back on track uh, against Arkansas and Auburn. We're talking to Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. And when you look at uh, this, you know this group of uh, offensive linemen. I think it's 14 uh, four stars or better uh, when you look at uh, the offensive line. So let, let's spend a little time uh, with with some tight ends positions here for just a minute. How much has Billingsley lost his um, just maybe his draft status? Well, I mean, I think he was he's a talented guy that needed a lot to prove, and I 
don't think he – I think he's heard it quite a bit because I think the thing that jumps out at you is, okay, is what's this guy's attitude like? What's his work ethic like? What's his – we call it football character. How much does he like it? Where is his focus? I mean, th- those everything there that you look at and you say, uh, what is it with this guy? I think it's heard it quite a bit. Um, I think the guy's got ability, and I think the guy can go out and make some plays – but that's you, you want consistency. You want guys you can rely upon, and I think he's put a big old question mark beside his name uh, on his preparation and his on-field performance. His on-field performance has been spotty, just apparently like his preparation has been. So, Chris, uh, when when you take a look at the inside backers. We had a question a couple of minutes ago coming in for the inside backers, and and I shared my opinion. Well, what do you what do you think about the inside backers? It seems like that they're taking some steps in the right direction. Um, yeah, you know the um, been a lot like the defense inconsistent. Like I mean, I I think they've made a lot of plays this year. I mean, I think they've made they've created a lot of negative plays. You know, for the opposing offense. I mean, like. Um, just this past week, I mean, I thought Christian Harris and Henry uh, uh, Henry T got um, a big part in that, that the deflected pass that was intercepted. Um, caused some turnovers this year. They're making a lot of plays to create some mistakes on the opposing offense, but they're also giving up a, a, a couple. Of, um, we saw it um, a couple of times. You had the uh, the Brian Thomas LSU Brian Thomas. Um, working the right flat. You had the the, the one to um, Jack Besh, the tight end, wasn't properly covered there. Um, so assignment mistakes. And then the even um, that 37-yard run um, was, um, you know, I, I thought, thought Harris, actually even Anderson, but we're, both didn't fight across face. So, yeah, it's a, been, a, been a little bit of a mixed bag there. I think fundamentally – um, you know, they've, they've, they've taken a little, they've taken a lot of chances and to be aggressive. And when you do that, you're going to make some mistakes and be out of position. Uh, and they've done that, but they've made a lot of plays as a result of it too. So there's a good with the bad with it. We'll break here. We'll come back. Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. We're going to evaluate other college football and a lot more. That's coming up in just a couple of minutes. Welcome 
in Tuscaloosa Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Talking a little Alabama Crimson Tide football and uh, a lot of different things that we're talking about, a lot of things that we're discussing. Um, Chris, I, I go back, you know, we, we for the first 20 minutes, we've, we've talked a lot of, uh, you know, about this team and how they can improve and how they can uh, try to find a way to get better. But, uh, you know, when you try to compare them to the rest of college football, uh, that is, um, you know, hey, they're still the second best team in the country. Uh, a lot of teams would kill for their to be in that spot. Alabama to what Alabama normally is or what they were last year. And look, I'm comfortable in saying this team is not as good as last year. Well, I mean, it's not going to be the same every year. Georgia looks better than everybody at this point. We'll see how they finish. And when they get tested, the big moment and everything, but, but it, it's probably going to be about Georgia and how they play. But after that, uh, I don't know who the second best team is. I mean, Alabama may not look like it, but you know, I don't know who else looks like it. I certainly would give them as good a shot as anybody at number two. So yeah, when you're talking about this year and stacking up these teams, I can raise my hand and say, I see a lot of good. I don't see a lot of great and that might include Alabama, but I'm not, I wouldn't move a whole lot of teams, if any, above them. Um, I see Ohio State has a lot of potential. Now, that's a place where that offensive line has been up and down, and we're talking about high-level, best-looking offensive line on the hoof in college football with experienced NFL guys, and they've been a little up and down as well. They look pretty good. I mean, Oregon, when fully healthy, they've got a great pass rush and a great linebacker. But yeah, I don't, I, you know, I, I, it's just with Alabama, it's what are you going to get? If you get the snippets of the good Alabama, they can play with anybody. And I think that could be a real interesting game against Georgia. I wonder a little bit of the lack of maturity on this team, the lack of leadership. Um, it sounds really simplistic, but for whatever reason, Ryan, they didn't look like they were ready to play against LSU, which I, I don't quite get. I think we all expect that they're going to hammer that team. They're going to make them pay. They're going to – just none of that was there. And I think that's part of the lack of maturity with this team that you don't know what you're going to get. I, I would expect to see great effort and intensity against Auburn, certainly against Georgia in the SEC championship game if they make it that far. But you just – you can't pick and choose, you know, when you're – your moments when you're going to play and when you're not going to play. We know that. Um, and I think it's it's something that's missing, and it's why the – I'm sure you've talked about it, but I've noticed this. Nick Saban certainly taken an approach that's a little bit different, meaning he's not browbeating this team because I think he knows they're giving effort. I think he realizes in some areas they just don't have it. They're trying hard. And the worst thing you can do to a team like that is to try to hammer them and make them lose more confidence. I think right now he's trying to build up their confidence. Because right now I don't think this team is very confident in certain situations, which is not not like typical Alabama teams. But when you look at it, they don't. it's not the same team. A lot of different-looking players on that team. And so at this stage you'd think they would have built more of confidence, have more answers. But right now it's – it's fleeting uh, week in and week out. You never know what you're going to get. Chris, uh, let, let's let's look at LSU for a couple of different uh, 
reasons when you look at this this head coach and and where they go from here is anything that you can add to it that we've talked about in the last few weeks i mean anybody emerging uh someone that you kind of keep an eye out well they've look i think they've got a couple of people that definitely want the job i mean i think there's no question that if offered the job mel tucker would take it lane kiffin would take it a billy napier would take it and and a few others it's a matter of what LSU wants to do. I think they have um, – I think they're on their second list, those guys. I think they're swinging for the fences for a couple of guys that, that Scott thinks he can land. We'll see. And I think a lot of what they've done is floated out the Mel Tucker. And I've noticed it because they've, they've kind of leaked it out to a lot of the media in almost what I would call a sell job of Mel Tucker. And I don't mean that negatively because he's a good coach. And I think, you know, he would be, you know, probably very good. He's not done to have a long track record as a head coach, but an outstanding one as an assistant coach. But I think they've tried to sell that because I think they know that they won't have to go any, you know, further down the list than that. Now, what I think you're going to see, heck, any day now, some of those guys, maybe it's Mel, others that will either re-up with their school, get a new deal with their school, or just recommit to their school, or quote-unquote, I'm committed to staying at fill-in-the-blank because I think they're going to be told, you know, that they're not going to get the job. But I think those are those are definitely ones that want it. So that's kind of where we are, and I think we're going to know soon. Obviously, we're getting towards the end of November um, that's when I think uh, you would expect them to try to get it done. But I kind of classify it like this. They've, they've got the guy maybe in the boat that they feel they can get, but they're still trying to put their, uh, their line in the water to catch a bigger fish. It's the, way, the best way I can describe it. Has the early signing period moved that coaching calendar uh, across college football? It's, uh, it, it has. It has because, you know, not just that – it costs you um, in one year. I mean, think about it. You don't want to make a de- you don't want to make a coaching decision quick. You want to make the best decision as quick as you can. You don't want to make a mistake by making a quick decision to save one class. But in this day and age, where you don't have three or four years to build it, if you lose a class and you lose relationships with your assistant. See, here's the thing. So let's just take Florida, for example. You know, you wonder, okay, well, why wouldn't they wait to the end of the year to, to fire Tide Granham? Well, probably should have done that at the end of last year. But here's what they're, they're struggling with, and people are saying, man, they shouldn't do that in the middle of the year. Well, you're right, except for this. You're recruiting a kid, and – and you're telling – and they're asking him, is Todd Granham going to be the coach? And you tell him on Monday that he is, and then in two weeks he's not. Then you lie to him, you, you hurt relationships. So you almost have to – you almost have to make decisions before you really want to. It is having a tremendous impact. I don't like the early signing day in December. I think it should be in August, and then you should have signing day in, in mid-March. That's what I think, but that's me. No one agrees with that. It's going to be, I mean, it's just, it's a lot of different things, but I, I want to add this right here to it because I want to tie into the early signing period and the transfer portal, because there's so many different things changing in college football, whether we want to talk about name, image, and likeness and all those different things. But if you look at recruiting, 
you look at early entries into the draft evaluation, if you think about this as a calendar, you got recruiting, then you've got early departures for, then you got the late signing period, then you got the transfer portal. I mean, the stress that's on these coaches. I mean, could, I mean, think about trying to manage all this. I mean, this kind of reminds you of like an NFL uh, free agency, right? I mean, it, not that it's it's different, but you got to manage your roster. Roster management is. I mean, you know, you may not sign enough linebackers, but then you have three leave and you got two in the transfer portal and you got to go get two more. And I, I mean, the landscape has changed, Chris Landry. It, it, it is, Ryan, and it's disorganized. That's what frustrates me. So sure. the, my crossover with NFL and college work, I'm not one of these that wants college to be like the NFL and vice versa, but there's some things that I think that both sides could learn from the other. And college football is disorganized. The calendar is ridiculous, as I said. So you don't get to just pick up and leave in the transfer portal. That doesn't make any sense. There needs to be a time that you can leave at the end of the semester. And, and at a certain time period, you should be able to leave going to transfer portal. There should be times where, you know, you obviously can sign players, which we do have that. I think everything should have a proper calendar. And one of the reasons why I say, what's the use of a, to me, what's the use of having a signing day in December and turning around in January? I mean, I get it. It, it lessens the need and you turn to next year, but you can change that narrative by saying, look, if you want to have an early signing day, have it in August. So for kids that want to commit early and don't want to be bothered in their senior year in high school, they can do it in August. Now, if that, if they commit to a school, let's or they you know they they sign. Excuse me, they should be allowed to back out of that if that school doesn't have that coach anymore. I mean, I think you can make those exceptions, make that a rule, and then instead of having signing day in February, back it up a month, middle of May, middle of March. Why? Because we're extending the season longer than we used to. And we have a coaching search cycle. So we're dealing with what we just talked about. Give it time for guys to make decisions on take this job, replace this, this guy, that guy. Give enough time to get through the season, then have a period where you can make coaching changes and then still have a month to six weeks, seven weeks to finish up recruiting which, again, if you've made changes, you still have a chance to go after guys that were early signings that maybe they – let's say they commit to Florida or sign in Florida in the summer. If the, there's a new coach, head coach or whatever, you know, well, let's just use TCU as an example, then you can, you can get out of that. I think a more organized calendar, we're completely disorganizing college. It is a complete mess, Ryan, and it's just – it's. It's everything going on at one. It's multiple recruiting years at the same time. Like you said, guys are coming and going. You don't know who's coming out for the draft. You don't know who's who's going back. You don't know who's leaving. You don't know who you want to push out the door. You don't know who you want to get. I mean, it's just all of that stuff, as you mentioned, it's all like all these balls are up at the same time, whereas there should be more regimented and segmented times in which you handle college free agency, coaching changes. That's what I like about the NFL a little bit more organized. I think we could do that in college football to make it better. And you know what, Ryan? It would make the timeline, the news cycle of college football 
that much greater in the non-playing portion of the season. Chris, when was your first year in coaching or in, in the My, business? Well, uh, 1982. I've not been around it nowhere near that length of time. Uh, I was a little bit shocked today uh, that there was some video that made it out about Bo Davis. And I was not shocked at the video. I was more shocked at the reaction. Uh, do, 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 do fans really understand what happens on that football field, on a practice field? Uh, uh, I, I cannot tell you the many times that uh, I've been here in Tuscaloosa and there's some things that are said and a guy will walk over to you and go, please don't post that video. Uh, please don't post that video uh, or or don't leave the audio version of that video up. Uh, post it, but no audio. You, you can do it. it. Football fields are, uh, you know, you're trying to motivate 330-pound guys to do what you want them to do. Uh, they're not out there handing out lollipops. I, I don't know if that's people right. uh, understand that. Uh, but that's a uh, – heck, I I was about inspired to listen to Bo Davis. I mean, I, I have no talent, but uh, – uh, I, I, I might be able to get a, you know, get one sack in there after listening to Bo. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, full disclosure, I know Bo well. I signed Bo Davis at LSU. One of the best. From, one uh, of the best. From uh, Copiah Lincoln Junior College. And he's uh, he's developed into a, a very nice coach. And I, um, I sent him a text and, and, and I said, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm giving you a standing ovation because, look, I – you know, for people who don't know, I'm sure you've, you've told everybody. So the kids the, at Texas got just ramrodded against Iowa State. It wasn't one of those they got off early and lost a tough one. They got hammered. And apparently they got on the bus like it was Piccadilly Circus and joking and laughing and music playing on their phones and all that. And he ripped into them. He ripped into them and. And I'm sure you went into it, and it's nothing we can say on radio. Sure. But it was very volatile. And you know what? They've got a culture issue, a a country club atmosphere problem that they've had at Texas for a while. And I just did my Big 12 show uh, about an hour ago, and it was my lead topic on that show. And on the bigger picture is, uh, yeah, I stand in support of Bo saying that. And, and But we're living in a world today where, oh, coaches are meanie. You can't do that. You got to send them to time out. I tell folks all the time, things have changed. Maybe we don't want to go back to the junction boys where they, they considered giving players <laughs> water a weakness. I mean, when I played, Ryan, you, you didn't get water unless you got several good reps in a row, which wasn't smart. We learned that. But that's how we were taught as players. I had my face mask grabbed, and that man, I mean, I don't know that Jimmy Lake's going to survive at Washington, not because his team stinks this year offensively, but because he 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 hit a guy trying to get his attention in the face mask. That's where we are today. And, yeah, I don't think a lot of people understand it. I, you remember – Remember Nick Saban uh, slapping A.J. McCarron on the backside? Oh, and, oh, my goodness. Oh, the travesty. I mean, I don't know. I think the butt-whooping generation <laughs> had a lot better than the uh, timeout generation, personally. That's me. Uh, but I realize I'm in the minority. But I say, hey, they need a little bit more of that, a little bit more of Bo Davis 
in, in the Texas culture. And they need to figure that out. I mentioned this on the Big 12 show today. They need to – Steve needs to figure that out now because you can't be figuring out who's on board and who's not in your second year. I mean, you remember when, when Nick came in and took over for Mike Shula, they – that, that was a lot of that. The UL Monroe game, he was weeding out. That first year is for cleaning out the guys that are – they're going to do their own thing and they're not buying in. All the non-buy-in guys need to be shipped out. And they better figure that out quickly or Sark's going to have a quick as quick a run as the other guys have had there. That is in, – in, they need to figure out who is the guy that thought it was a good move – to tape that on his cell phone in the bus. And that ought to be the first guy out of Austin off the 40 acres uh, that they should get out of there. So that's my thoughts on it. May not be popular. That's what I believe. Chris, I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, Would you bet on Sark being there long-term? I mean, can can he fix it? I mean, because it just seems like those are some – that you, I think you said a country club type atmosphere. I mean, can he fix it? I mean, it's – because I don't know if his personality – because I've watched Nick Saban. I've, I've compared Texas to Alabama multiple times. You said it just a second ago. When Nick Saban came in, he had to fix problems off the field, fix things administratively to get a focus. Mm-hmm. Does Sark have enough personality to fix it? It's it's not his personality to be that, you know, pound his fist on the table. No, that's not him. I think that you got to – there's certain things that have to be – you don't have to do it that way. I think it helps – I, I I don't I don't know I I would have answered that you know that I feel better about his chances earlier in the year than I do now I I don't like the way things are going I don't like the way things are kind of you know off the field I'm I'm sure everybody's in Texas has had fun with Jeff Banks and his you know I don't know if it's his new wife or girlfriend is you know with the whole yeah, yeah that, that's just embarrassing stuff and um. Sark's got to get a handle on it. It, it within his own personality. He needs to clean it up and he needs to clean up the roster in that you need to get the buy-in guys and you need to, from an administrative standpoint, tell him, tell the, the administrator, we, we've got to, we've got to create the right type of culture. And it may, it may mean that next year may look a little bit more like the first year. And, and I don't know if they're going to be as patient. That's, that's the biggest part of the problem there. Um, and it's why, uh, you know, Nick Saban would never deal with a a situation like a Texas to begin with because of all the cooks in the kitchen. And I, I just think there's, there's an issue. I, Mac, Mac Brown and I were good friends. He got really upset with me when, when you could start to see some of the country club atmosphere stuff that was going on. And I, and I, you know, I, I probably didn't choose my words correctly, but I said it, you know, at times your teams don't, they don't look real tough because I don't think they practice tough. I don't think they hold each other accountable. I think they feel entitled. And I think that whole attitude about, well, we are Texas. And just because we are Texas, that makes us better. Well, those players think that they're better players. Well, we don't have to work as hard. We don't have to run as much. We don't have to lift as much. We don't practice as hard. Well, baloney, you're not entitled to anything. You have to earn everything, and I—that I, just it seems to be an issue. And I don't know if he can fix it. I don't. I really don't. I—I I know he's a good coach, but I don't know if he has the type. He's strong enough to fix it. I hope he does, 
because I, you know, I listen, I hate any program to struggle and they've struggled for a while and they need to get it fixed. They're their own worst enemy. They get in their own way too much. Well, just, uh, you know, you look at it, uh, the trade-off, if the boosters would, would come in and say, hey, we want a winning program, here's the keys. Uh, coach, we'll be over there to write the check every other month and uh, call us if you need us. Uh, hopefully, right. you know, that will happen because, you know, I'm not trying to reveal anything that people don't know, but uh, even a guy like Nick Saban was frustrated that first year. I was been, I've been told by multiple different people that. Oh uh, sure. I mean, it, there was sure. times that he didn't even know that he could get it flipped around because, uh, you know, you, you had boosters wanting to put a headset on. You, you you you're right, and you've you've been around that. And Alabama's had for the younger audience that just are only in the Nick Saban era. Uh, well, that doesn't happen at Alabama. Well, you, you can speak to it, and, and I know I can too. That's exactly a lot of what happened at Alabama in the past, and and it was the right leadership with Nick Saban and, let's give credit to Mal Moore. Absolutely. And other people that said, look, I'm not going to name any names, but you know the influential folks. This is the way it's going to have to be. And then the winning came, and then that this everybody said, well, you know, now Coach Saban can do whatever he wants within reason. So, but, you know, if you don't win, it's a chicken-egg thing, right? If you don't win, well, you know, we're going to fix that. We're going to get rid of this. And, you know, it's, you're right. Back the guy 100%, whoever it is. Stay the heck out of the way. And then if he doesn't get it done, then you can say, you know what, we gave him every opportunity. But if you're going to interfere with it, well, then how do you know whether you can get it done or not? It's like I say owners in the NFL. Yeah, you own the team. You write the checks. Hire the right people. Let them do their job. Give them free reign to do it. And then if they fail, then you can fire them knowing I gave them every opportunity. But if you're going to interfere every way and you're going to impede the progress, well, then how do you know if it's their fault or it's your fault? I just think that's what you have to do. I, I, I'm, I think you've nailed it. Chris, when you look at this college football playoff ranking, um, you told us, and I, I, I continue to go back, and you said it last week, uh, that you wouldn't be shocked that Michigan State uh, was ended up uh, slipping a little bit. Uh, you, but this is just where we're at in college football in, in 2021. Uh, when you look at these teams um, – Anybody that just don't belong in, in that top five, top seven teams in college football that you think are, are about to go on another slide? I mean, any other teams that you identify uh, like you did Michigan, Michigan State a couple of weeks ago and then even Michigan State last week? Yeah, I think Michigan and Michigan State each are going to lose another game. Michigan, if Sean Clifford's healthy, could go down to Penn State this week. They're gonna Both of them are going to lose to Ohio State. So they're going to slip out of there. Now, Oklahoma, if – reason why Oklahoma's where they are, they don't have a good win yet, and they haven't looked good in winning the games that they have won. But if they're able to beat Oklahoma State, Iowa State, uh, Baylor this week, and beat somebody in the Big 12 championship game, let's just say Oklahoma State twice, they're going to be in. So that's the one to look to look for. And I just think the big, I think Ohio State will end up winning the Big Ten. And I think the issue is going to be, I don't think Oregon can beat Utah twice. 
And I think that's what they're going to have to do. And when, you know, against Oregon state as well. And um, if, if that happens, then, you know, I think it could be a log jam, but, but I, I think you're going to see a couple of those topple. I think that um, Ohio state um, in Oklahoma moves kind of in position and, and it's just, to me, it's about what does Alabama do? Alabama is, can play their way in. They'll end up the second seed or they'll play their way out of it. I mean, they don't, as, as we all know, I think they've, they've lost their margin for error to lose a game and still get in. Um, so, you know, they're going to have to have a whole lot of help and a whole lot of chaos for that to happen. And I don't know how that would go, probably wouldn't go in their favor, but um that's how I see it. I think Michigan, Michigan State are the two that are going to flame out. And then I think the others are just kind of going to rise and perhaps Oregon will fall out if they lose to Utah once, which, again, I think if they – Utah beats Utah uh, – if Oregon beats Utah twice and wins out, I, I think they're deserving to be in. But I don't think that will happen. Chris, let's talk about everything that you guys are able to offer, and then we'll let you get out of here and uh, talk about LandryFootball.com, the social networks, all the podcasts, the Twitch TV, the, the the things that you do. I mean, we focus on Alabama, but Chris focuses on all these different teams and is, has the capability of doing what he does for Alabama and on all these teams. But, uh, Chris, talk about LandryFootball.com and everything that you guys are able to offer. Well, we we bring you inside the film room and break down all these teams, all these players, uh, all the games, uh, and then we we preview the games for the upcoming week. And so we'll kind of go into detail, do special features, but each and every week we'll break the all the teams down, all the games down by conference, and we'll preview them that way. We give you the updates in our notebooks of what's going on around college football, the NFL practices. So if it's getting update on what's going on in college football, the NFL, we got it for you. Uh, recruiting, you know, transfer portal. Uh, as we get towards the end of the season, the draft, the coaching changes, the coaching searches, all of those things, uh, we got it all for you. And on the NFL side, we do the same as we're uh, entering the, the midway point of that season, the stretch run and, and everything that's associated with it. It's like having your own scouting department for less than a magazine subscription. So uh, it's less than $10 a month. It's cheaper than that. If you take advantage of a six month or a year membership uh, it's a great opportunity try it for a month uh, it's a great opportunity if you like football you're going to love landryfootball.com take advantage of the football season sale you're going to love it as ryan said we've got not only all the stuff behind the paywall but all the podcasts that we have for you um, that we do for all the conferences the nfl we got it for you there so check out including this uh, show that i love doing with ryan each and every week and it's archived right there as well, LandryFootball.com. Hey, Chris, I appreciate you. I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thank, I think we'll be talking about a little better performance. New Mexico State doesn't bring in the uh, – Yeah, these, these Aggies won't look as good as the previous Aggies that Alabama's played. Well, if you talk to, if you talk to Saban, tell him he's already disrespected him. He called him the wrong name That's on right. Monday. Oh, that's right. We did. Okay. All right. <laughs> I remember that. Hey, have a great one. We'll talk next week. Thank you, Chris. Have a great Take day. Care. Thank you. Bye -bye. Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. We will continue with more of the game. Aaron Torres, and then 415 all the way until 6, we'll be free with your phone calls. Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama, Crimson Tide Sports.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.